begin reading at verse 10 to verse 20. If you're using a pew Bible, that can be found on page 1,163. This morning, we take up and put on the helmet of salvation as we continue on in the sermon series on Christian warfare and the battle gear necessary to fight. Next week, we'll look at the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. But this morning, we'll focus on verse 17. Now let us hear God's word beginning at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the evils, against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Thus far, the reading of God's word made his blessing upon the preaching and teaching of it. Congregation of Christ, the Christian fights not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of evil. And the devil is the ringleader. And it bears repeating, as I have throughout the course of this sermon series, it bears repeating that our enemies can do nothing apart from the permissive will of God. That is, the Lord permits these attacks. There is nothing outside of God's control. And it's important for us to know that as profound as, as that is, as difficult it may be for us to hear, it is nevertheless the truth. Nothing is outside God's control and will and purposes. Job's faith and sufferings, his faith and sufferings, challenge our finite minds and understanding of the infinite mind and sovereign plan of God. You take a look at Job's life. Job was found blameless before God. That is, he believed in God. He trusted in God. He had faith in God. He loved God. And yet God permitted Satan to tempt Job. Through evil men and through nature, Satan attacks Job. He attacks Job's family, his children, and his livelihood. And consequently, Job arose the scripture says, Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Those are some profound words. That is That is profound.
Can you say that in your suffering and affliction, blessed be the name of the Lord? At Job chapter 2, Satan attacked Job's body with loathsome sores, boils all over his body. And his own wife said to him, you still have your integrity, Job? Curse God and die. In other words, give up. Why are you even relying on him? Look what he's doing to you. Curse God and die. And what does Job say to his wife? You speak as one of those foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Job had faith in God. Job's friends proved to be of little comfort to Job. But yet in time, Job grew weary, fatigued, and began to question sovereignty and providence. And Job questioned God, and what did God do? God answered. God spoke. God said, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding, says the Lord. And he goes on to talk about the wondrous works of God. You see, the finite mind and understanding of man cannot comprehend the infinite mind and will of God. Job simply humbled himself. That's what we do. We simply humble ourselves before God, our creator and redeemer. Because Job, what did he do? He humbled himself. He hoped in God. What did he say? I know my redeemer lives. The sufferings of Job teach us about God's providence and suffering and attacks at the hand of the evil one. But then you also have the sufferings of Paul. Like Job, Paul suffered greatly. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says, So to keep me from becoming conceited, that is, in, in order for God to keep me from sinning, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation that he received, a thorn was given him in the flesh. Paul says, A thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, persecutions, hardships, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul and Job, their sufferings demonstrate that they are weak in the flesh. They get become fatigued, but that's where the power of God is manifested. And I bring these sufferings of these two men of faith to introduce the helmet of salvation because we're going to see why I introduced these two men. Because they had a hope in God's salvation. You see, God permitted a messenger of Satan to harass Paul so that he would see his own weakness and sin and that the strength for the fight comes from God alone. 
You see, according to God's infinite wisdom and his divine counsel, God always has a plan for our suffering in the spiritual battle. Always. Always. He doesn't promise that the fight will stop, but he indeed promises to strengthen us for the fight. And he gives us the armor of God. And he has, give, he has given this to us, this armor to withstand the spiritual forces of evil. And at the same time, he is changing our hearts. He is conforming us to the image of his son, Jesus. Making us more like him. And so this is the Christian paradox. That in order to grow in Christ, be conformed to the image of Christ, we endure suffering. And suffering, as Martin Luther said, suffering is the theologian's greatest discipline. Suffering. Suffering. Especially when we are attacked spiritually is where God works in us. I know we have a lot of fishermen in this congregation. So I'm going to give you a fisherman illustration, a fish illustration, if you don't mind. So in the 1800s, in Boston, they were trying to figure out how to transport North Atlantic cod from Boston to uh, San Francisco. And so in order to do so, they had to take a boat and go under South America up to San Francisco. So in their first attempt, they packed it nice and ice, hoping that this long trek to San Francisco, the fish would be fresh yet. But it was a month, months-long journey, and by the time it got there, it was rotten. And so these cod experts came back to the table, okay, how are we going to get this cod to San Francisco fresh? And so they decided, okay, let's put a swimming tank in the boat, in the ship, and we'll just throw the cod in there. And they could swim around. They'll be live while we're going around South America and get to South or San Francisco. Well, by the time the boat got to San Francisco, the cod were thin, fatty. They were no good to eat. They were mushy. And so the cod experts came back to the table. They said, okay, what can we do? And one guy stood up and say, said, why don't we put their common prey in the swimming tank with them? So they, what they did was they put one of the natural preys of cod in the swimming tank, saltwater catfish. They threw a couple catfish in there. And while the fish were in the swimming tank being shipped to San Francisco, these preys were trying to eat the, cat, or eat the cod. What happened when the cod got to San Francisco? They were healthier than when they left Boston. It's a paradox. God uses trials. He uses and permits these things to happen in our lives to make us stronger, to strengthen us in faith. God gives us his impenetrable armor to withstand the devil's schemes and to stand in any and all attacks from the spiritual forces of evil and all the while he is making us strong in Christ. What does this have to do with the helmet of salvation? It has everything to do with the helmet of salvation. Let me tell you why. First we're going to look at the meaning of the metaphor. 
take, uh, take the helmet of salvation or take up and put on the helmet of God's salvation. This is God's armor. Therefore, it's God's salvation that we are to put on. You see, the Roman soldier put on the helmet for battle and attached to the helmet were cheek guards that came around to the chin. So it protected most of the head and most of the face. And that's what the helmet does. It protects. Protects from the enemy's attacks. Now the Hebrew word for helmet is also translated strength or stronghold or protection or fortress. So the helmet is the strength, the fortress of God's salvation that we are to put on. There are several psalms that translate the Hebrew word helmet. Just a couple. But most of them are interpreted or translated strength, stronghold, or refuge. What then does it mean to take up and put on the helmet of salvation? When we put on the helmet of God's salvation, we are putting on the strength of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. You see, in the battle, in a battle, the soldier suffers from weariness and fatigue. The battle becomes so strenuous that in the fight, they become tired and weary. In the Christian fight, in the Christian battle, our minds can become weary. We can begin to question. We can become fatigued. And Satan will attack us and try to capitalize on our weariness. And so when we put on the helmet of salvation, we are protecting our minds, our spirits, from mental and spiritual fatigue in the battle against the spiritual forces of evil. The epistle to the Hebrews is a wonderful example of this. The Hebrew Christians were tempted to give up, to go back to the old life of Judaism, to the sacrifices, to temple worship, to all those shadows and types, rather than focusing on the reality of Jesus, the substance of our faith. Because it was hard to be a Christian. It was easier to live out the Jewish faith in those days than it was to live out the Christian faith because the world hated Christians. The empire hated Christians. And the author of Hebrews pleads with the Christians to persevere in faith, to press on. He even talks about their weariness, their fatigue to give up. Don't give up. Jesus is your prophet, priest, and king. Don't give up. Are you mentally weary and tiresome? Don't give up. Put on the helmet of salvation. God's salvation in Jesus Christ is the battle gear to protect us from succumbing to the enemy's attacks to our mind when we are most vulnerable, when we are mentally, spiritually fatigued. When our minds are apathetic and lazy, put on the helmet of God's salvation. Now let's look more closely at this metaphor. Secondly, take up and put on God's salvation. What are we talking about here? What are we talking about when we say take up and put on God's salvation? 
Salvation is deliverance. Salvation means to be saved from slavery or bondage, to be saved from impending danger or judgment or wrath. You're in a perilous position, a dangerous position. And you are suddenly saved from that state of peril. The Bible says that there is no other name under heaven by which man must be saved. There is salvation in no one else. No other name under heaven by which we must be saved than in the name of Jesus. So put on the helmet of God's salvation in Jesus Christ who alone saves us of our sins. And when we put on this helmet of salvation, we're protecting ourselves from the lies of the devil, the lies and deceptions of this world, and the lies and deceptions that arise within our own sinful nature about who we are apart from Christ. What's the lie of the devil? To try to destroy your trust in him, your allegiance to him, to try to capitalize on your mental fatigue, your spiritual fatigue and weariness. Well, he'll say, God will not save you in this moment. All this suffering you're enduring, where's God? Curse God and die, says Job's wife. Where's God in your suffering, Job? He will not save you in your, in your distress. He's too late for the party. He will not keep his promise. The enemy uses the age-old tactic called discouragement. Discouragement to destroy your confidence in Christ, to save you from your sin and your misery, to save you from the tyranny of the devil, to save you from the wrath of God to come. He seeks to destroy you in your mental fatigue when you're most vulnerable. Turn with me to Psalm 3. Psalm 3. The Psalms contain so many of these moments where the author, the psalmist, is being attacked by evil men, evildoers, and he cries out to God, and the evildoers mock the psalmist. Psalm 3, this is a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. Don't you think that's what the world's telling Christians today? There's no salvation for you in God. All this chaos you see in culture and society. Where's your God? Verse 3, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. I laid down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek, you break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord, your blessing be on your 
people. You see, the psalmist is experiencing deep suffering at the hands of men who seek his life to destroy him, and he is fatigued, he is tired, he is weary, and yet he puts on the helmet of salvation, so to speak. Because he knows salvation comes from God. He experiences and knows God's salvation now. We know God's salvation now in Jesus Christ. And so when Satan and the world says, where is your God? What do we say? What do we do? We put on the helmet of God's salvation. When Satan says, where's Jesus when you need him? Where's Jesus when you are sick and afflicted in body and soul? Where's Jesus when your loved one denies God and Christ? Where's God when natural disasters strike? Where's God when unspeakable evils are being committed around this world? Where's your God? Where's your God? Where's Jesus to save you from yourself? And your own sin and misery. Where's your Jesus now? Aren't you supposed to be happy all the time? These are the things that the father of lies says. And he attacks and capitalizes on our mental fatigue and weariness. It's easier to deny Christ than to suffer with him. Do you understand that, Christian? The very fact that we're still in the faith is an act of grace and mercy of God. Because in and of our own strength, we would not even be able to persevere in this faith if it were not of God's grace. Because it's easier to give up. That's the easy thing to do. Just to give in to sin, give in to the devil, give in to the world. Those are easy things to do. The hard thing is to fight the good fight of faith, to put on Christ daily. And so daily we put on the helmet of salvation, God's salvation. Protect the mind with God's salvation. Protect your mind with the truth of the gospel. Jesus is our Savior and Lord. Jesus freed us from the law of sin and death. Jesus freed us from the tyranny of the devil. Jesus became a curse for us, taking upon himself the curse of the law. Jesus saves us from the wrath of God to come. Jesus saves us from hell. Put on Christ. Not only that, but protect the mind with God's salvation and denounce the empty philosophies of this world and the empty religions of this world. Do not be tossed to and fro, as he says in Ephesians chapter 4, where he speaks of gifts given to the church to teach and edify and build up the church to be a holy body, a holy building built on the apostles and prophets with Christ being the cornerstone. Do not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Protect the weary mind with God's salvation. Take up and put on God's salvation to protect your mind from the persuasive powers of the evil one and his cohorts. This is to be put on daily, daily. That said, 
That is, we take up and put on God's salvation, the salvation we know now in Jesus Christ. But I think there's something more to what Paul is saying here than the salvation that is now. You see, the spiritual fight that we engage in against spiritual forces of evil is a wearisome task, and God provides the strength. And that is why this helmet of salvation also refers, I believe, to a salvation that is future. That in your suffering, look ahead. And so thirdly, we take up and put on the hope of God's salvation. Hope is in the things that are unseen and yet promised by God. It's not a wishful thinking, a crossing your fingers and praying that it's going to happen. No, hope is a sure and certain thing that what God says and promised will come to pass. And we will see it one day in the future. And therefore, when Christ comes again, we will need hope no more. Because our faith and hope will be sight. But in the meanwhile, in the meantime, this helmet of salvation is putting on the, the helmet of hope of salvation. For example, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8, the Apostle Paul says, But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. sober. That is, since we belong to Christ, we belong to Him, and we live in the light, let us be sober, sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 8. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. We take up and put on the hope of God's salvation. We look at the present of God's salvation in our lives, that he has saved us from our sins. We believe this promise by grace, but we also look forward our faith looks forward in hope that God will make all things right, that Jesus shall come again to destroy altogether the devil and his cohorts and all unbelievers and cast them into the lake of fire. Over and over again, the scriptures teach us that we fight from the standpoint of Christ's victory over Satan and the spiritual forces of evil. I've repeated this over and over again. Jesus was raised from the dead and seated at the right hand of the Father and placed in the and seats, seated in the heavenly places. We too have been crucified with Christ, been raised with him, and we too have been seated with him in the heavenly places even now. And our hope is fixed upon him where he is because where he is there we we shall be also. We take up the helmet, the hope of God's salvation that is to come. So in our weariness, in our spiritual fatigue, we look to that day when Jesus brings salvation full and free. And the ultimate victory will be won. Consider Jesus Consider Jesus. I quoted this earlier in my prayer. 
The author of Hebrews says, let us look to Jesus. Hebrew Christians, Christian, you who are weary, spiritually fatigued, look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. That is, before he received and experienced glory, he endured suffering and pain and shame of the cross. We too endure suffering, mental fatigue, and yet we look to the strength that he provides. Only he provides by putting on the hope of God's salvation. Christian, are you tired of the fight? Are you tired of the fight? Do you ever feel like you want to throw in the towel or wave the flag, the white flag of defeat? Take an honest assessment of your own spiritual life. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever thought it would be easier to give in? What do you do about it? Do you ever feel like the spiritual battle is too difficult to bear? Or you're watching a loved one face a spiritual battle and it's too difficult for you to watch and bear? What do you do? You see, these things are not uncommon to Christians. Because a saint, Satan seeks to capitalize on mental fatigue and weariness. He seeks to defeat us when we are most vulnerable. But God graciously gives us his armor for the fight. And anything else would be to rely upon one's own strength. We have to put on the armor of God. We have to put on the helmet of salvation to protect ourselves against our own sin, our own desire to concede to the devil. We have to put on the helmet of salvation to fight against the empty philosophies of this world. We have to put on the helmet of salvation to fight against the devil himself and his attack against us. The Apostle Paul says in Colossians, and you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, put on the hope of God's salvation. And you will not shift or be moved, but you will stand firm. Paul continues to them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in us is the hope of glory, the glory that we'll receive at the consummation of all things is now in us through Christ. Hope in him, trust in him. And we will receive that glory in the last day. And so we, like the psalmist, cry, cry out. We pray, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Psalm 27. Psalm 130. Wait for the Lord. My soul waits. In his word, I hope. O Israel, hope in the Lord. Listen. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love. And with him is plentiful redemption. Hope in the Lord. Why? Because in our waiting, 
in our waiting, in hope, there is plentiful redemption that is to come when he brings salvation to the fullest in the coming of Jesus. Take up and put on the helmet of God's salvation, Christian. Because in Jesus Christ alone, in Jesus Christ alone, we have hope eternal. We have hope that will never perish nor fade away. In Jesus, there is a hope that when he comes again, we will be with him for all eternity and be made like him. There will be no more mental fatigue. There will be no more mental struggle. There will be no more spiritual struggle because the battle will be won altogether and completed and final. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, we thank you for your mercy towards us. We thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of, our, of your salvation. And we, O oh Lord, put on your salvation that is full and free through faith in Jesus Christ. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would help us daily to put on Christ, to put off the deeds of the flesh and to put on Christ to walk in Him, to have faith in Him, to trust in Him. And that's Your Word, O oh Lord, and by Your Spirit, You would renew us in our minds, that You would strengthen us in our spiritual fatigue. O oh Lord, strengthen us. Grant us, O oh Lord, Your grace, Your all-sufficient grace, so that in our weakness we are indeed made strong because we have known the strength of Jesus who lives in us and who's our only hope and comfort both in this life and in the life to come.